Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. stand for the reading of his word, 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there uh, was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed uh, for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and laid down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, uh, call this Shemanite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, uh, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak? On your behalf to the king of the commander of the army. And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for you? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace the son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maid servant. But the woman conceived the more son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew, and now it happened one day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, My head, my head. So he said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees until noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid on him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive it, go forward. Do not slacken the pace for for me unless I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, uh, said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shumanite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And, and she answered it as well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I not, or did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. If anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore, he went back to meet him. And told him, saying, the child is not awakened. And Elisha came into the house. There was the child laying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door before behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house, and again went up and stretched himself out on him. When the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shemanite woman. So he called her, and when she came in to him, he said, Pick up your son. 
So he went in and fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. You may be seated. This morning I want to talk to you about this, this lady who she saw the prophet of God and invited him into her home to eat. And then uh, after some time passed, she said to her husband, Husband, we need to give him a place to live, uh, set aside a room. So they built a room for him uh, just for the prophet uh, in their, on their home on the wall uh, and um, uh, for him to stay in whenever he came by. And uh, because of her, uh, uh, because of her uh, selflessness, and because of her uh, just her charitable way and giving to the the, the man of God, uh, he said, "I want to do something for her." And so he called for her to come and and said, "What can I do for you?" And she said, "Look, I'm happy." She said, "I, I draw up my own people." He said, "I will go and talk to kings on your behalf, commanders on your behalf. What do you want me to do?" She said, "I'm happy. I'm content. I'm satisfied." So he said to Gehazi, well, then what can I do for her? Because she's been so good to us. And Gehazi said, well, she doesn't have a son and her husband is old. And what that means is without a son, when her husband died, she would be left a widow. And without a child, she'd have no one to take care of her in her old age. And so Elisha said, I got it. So he called for the woman and he said, look, this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she said, prophet of God, don't lie to me. I'm old, my husband is old, don't get my hopes up. The Bible says that just like the man of God said, just like the prophet said, she bore a son. She bore a son, and he grew and was healthy. But one day, her, his dad was in the field with the other workers, and they were reaping and harvesting and working in the sun. And the boy went out with his father. And he began to complain about a headache. Must have been a severe, severe headache. But he sent the boy home to his mother for her to look after him. The most likely reason is that the child was suffering heat stroke. Out in the, out in the sun, the terrible heat in the area, and he was not... Uh, hydrated well, he was not ready to be out there, and he began to suffer heat stroke. When he goes home, it's too late. He lays upon his mother's lap, and he dies. A promise that she never asked for was given to her and taken away. Something she never asked for. She never asked God for anything. What she did for the man of God, she did because she loved God. Because she wanted to honor God. She wanted nothing in return. Yet, God gave her a son. But he took it away. Has God ever given you something or opened a door and it seemed like everything just worked out and then he took it away? Or it was taken away? Yeah, suddenly... Doors began to shut and things began to happen and, and, and circumstances changed like a vapor. All of a sudden, in an instant, what was good became bad and what was sweet became sour. And it seems like all hope is lost. God, I never asked for any of this. God, I never asked for this door to be opened. God, I never asked to go through that door. God, I never asked for this. I never asked for this to happen. I never asked 
herself weeping over a child she never asked for. Yet God gave her anyway. And when she sees that her child is dead, she takes him and has him laid upon the bread bed of the prophet. And she says to her husband, Please give me a servant and give me a, a donkey to ride that I can go and meet the prophet. Now, she obviously did not tell the husband how severe things were. Because he said, is everything okay? And she says, it's well. So he gives her the, the servant and the donkey, but he says, look, it's not the Sabbath and it's not the new moon. So you really shouldn't be going to him because it was a practice back then that you did not go to church. You did not go to the tabernacle. You did not go to God unless it was the Sabbath or it was the first of the month. Those was, that's when you went. And, but she said, it's well, I'm going. He gave her what she needed and she went. So let me just stop there for a second. If you find yourself in a position where you cannot find a way out, where something seems to be broken or cannot be fixed, God wants you to know that you can't always fix it or see it fixed the same way that it's always been. Meaning, you can't simply uh, come to church on Sunday. You can't simply pray the way you've always prayed and do the devotions you've always done them. You can't simply give God what you've always given to see the answer that you're looking for. He wants something more. He wants you to come to Him outside of your regular scheduled program. He wants me to come to Him outside of my normal routine. See, I have a routine. My routine is to do X, Y, and Z every single day, right? We have routines, then this is what they do. I get up in the morning, I do my right, I get, I do my devotion, I pray, I go to work, I pray before I go to bed at night. That's my routine. Some of us, our routine is we pray a little bit on Sunday mornings and then we ignore God the rest of the week, but we won't talk about that today. Uh, but we, uh, we have our routine, right? And when our routine is broken, by something that was unexpected, that cannot be fixed. God is breaking our routine for a reason. He does not want us to be satisfied with what we have. He wants us to want more of Him. And He hears us when we call. He hears us when He cries. But He wants us to get to the place where we're willing to disrupt our life to talk to Him. Amen. We're willing to go outside of the routine, outside of the norm, to call upon his day. What that means is, if you never fasted before, you might need to give up a meal or two. When you're desperate enough for an answer from God, you'll give up a meal. If you're desperate enough to hear from God, you'll give up the TV. If you're desperate enough to hear from God, you'll give something up. Because what you want is an answer from God, not a distraction. Amen. Come on. Some of us want God to move with no effort. Right? I'll pray the way I've always prayed. I'll do what I've always done. And I'll get mad when God doesn't work. 
Well, God wants more for us than what we want for ourselves. God wants to see us change. He wants to see us renewed. He wants to see us excited. But we cannot change when the circumstances remain the same. So he shakes it up a little bit. Amen. He closes doors. He causes circumstances to change in an instant. Where everything was smooth sailing, we had a plan. Oh my goodness. If I had a nickel for every plan I had, I'd be a rich man. I've got a plan. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Oh, let me just stop here for a second. Uh, we don't ask God about X, Y, and Z. Oh goodness. Uh, we, we don't ask him what to do. We do it, then we get mad when it breaks. Wow. Someone should be writing that down. Wow. Uh, <laughs> seriously. Uh, someone should be writing that down. Uh, we go and do what we're going to do mm-hmm. without praying about it first. And when it breaks, we get mad at God. Right? right? Uh, we can't do that. We, we can't. He wants to interrupt our lives so that every decision we make and every choice that we make, we pray, seek Him first. That when he interrupts our lives, that we will be desperate for him. Interrupt our routine. Sacrifice for him. We give a sacrifice of praise. But we don't know what sacrifice is like. We talk about sacrifice. But do we truly know what sacrifice is like? We don't know what real sacrifice is in a lot of ways. Which is why... When God lays upon our heart to give up breakfast, we don't want to give up breakfast. Or he says, why don't you fast breakfast, lunch, and dinner and seek me? I don't want to. It hurts too much. Now, we talk a good game about it. We like to talk about it. We like to talk about fasting. And we like to talk about prayer. And we like to talk about getting alone with God. But we don't really do it. Come on. And then we wonder why God doesn't move. He wants a sacrifice. He said, anyone who wants to follow after me must deny himself. What good is it that I gain the whole world, yet I lose my soul? It is more important for us to become the men and women of God he wants us to be than to give us stuff. To give us things. He is looking for sacrifice. See, let me tell you something. Sacrifice is what grows us. Amen. If you never sacrifice, you never grow. Mm. That is a spiritual principle. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a principle in nature. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> My wife, I, I hate when she gets out in the yard and trims our trees. Because no joke. She trims them to stumps. I mean, she trims them down, and I'm like, honey, that was pretty at one time. She cuts them down to nothing, and she, I mean, we've been married for 24 years, and I still fuss about her every time she gets out and cuts the rose bushes down. And she says, I have to, so that they'll grow back stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it never fails. She just recently, a few weeks ago, did the ones in our backyard. And no joke, they have come back even in this heat, and they are beautiful roses. Cut them down. And so when she does that, they bloom more than once a a year. They bloom through the whole spring and through the whole summer as long as she trims off the old, uh, uh, you know, buds. 
As long as she keeps up with that, they will bloom over and over and over again. But when she stops, the leaves stay green, but the roses don't bloom. Because all of the nutrients are going to buds that are dead. Wow. Right? The plant is feeding buds that cannot flower. See, with us, we're feeding buds that cannot flower. Right? I am feeding buds in my life that cannot flower. And God, sometimes, you got to sacrifice. you got to give that old nasty bud up so a new one can grow. Amen. Amen. Right? we got to give up the thing that we're holding on to so strongly that really is dead and no longer is pretty or nice or provides any value. we got to be willing to let go so that something new can grow in its place. And that takes sacrifice. Amen. It hurts. Because I don't want to let go what I have. I don't want to give control to someone else. I don't want to give it up. It hurts. But without sacrifice, there is no new growth. And without new growth, we become stale and we cannot produce fruit. And if we do not produce fruit, we're like a fig tree that Jesus cursed. Amen. We're here to bear fruit. And if we're not bearing fruit, then what good are we? Right? I've got a plum tree in my front yard that maybe makes three plums. Well, big whoop-de-doo. Right? Who cares if it doesn't bear fruit? It's there for looks only. Do you know what I'm saying? It provides no value. It's there to look nice. Right? If someone who was hungry wants to eat a plum off of it, well, they're in bad shape. Ultimately, that tree provides no real value. Without fruit. What's the point? It's a decoration. Am I happy being a garden gnome, garden gnome in a garden? Right? A decoration. A little bit of decoration in God's garden. Or do I want to be something that brings life? And if I want to be something that brings life, that brings something that is worth something to this world, I've got to be willing to sacrifice. Right. Amen. I've got to be willing to be pruned every once in a while. Now look, I don't like to be pruned, you don't like to be pruned. But at some point, all of us have to be pruned. Me, I get pruned probably uh, more frequently than I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because I got lots of broken stuff that needs to be cut off. Branches everywhere and fruit that I'm holding on to that's rotten and dry that needs to be trimmed. Right? Because of my selfishness and my self-centeredness. I hold on to it. And I need God to take it off. I'm incapable of removing it myself. But I can submit to God who will take it off for me. Amen. And he loves us so much. That he's not willing us willing to allow us to continue to walk in the complacency of where we're at. The complacency of, of what we're doing. He wants us to change. He wants to move us. Amen. He wants us to Amen. So he wants us to get out of our comfort zone. He wants us to get out of our routine. He is trying to shake us up. And so she goes to Elisha. And I mean, she goes head on. She wants a servant and a donkey that she can ride without stopping. Straight on. Now, she was an older woman. Now, I don't think I've ever, I can't recall ever riding a horse. I probably rode a donkey at a petting zoo at some point or a mini pony. I don't even remember. 
but I have watched people ride them, and it cannot be comfortable, especially if you're older, right? You're older, and you're riding. They were riding about 50, somewhere between 15 and 25 miles on a horse, and heat that was so hot that her son had gotten sunstroke, right? With a servant, pushing forward without stopping for water, without stopping for a break. Why? Because she needed to see the man of God. She was willing to sacrifice to see the man of God, to get an answer from God. And so when she comes forward, Gehazi is sent out to her to say, hey, is your husband okay? Are you okay? Is your son okay? She said, it's well. Why? Because she wasn't, she wasn't satisfied with the servant. Right. She wanted to talk to the prophet. Right. See? Oh, goodness. Let me let me say this. Uh, don't be satisfied or desire your be all end all to get a word from me here in the altar. Okay. Don't be satisfied with the servant. Right. You need to go to the source. Amen. You're not praying all week, and you come up here in the altar and want me to tell you something. But you're looking in the wrong place. I'm just human, just like you are. I, I make mistakes. Don't put your faith in me. Amen. Don't put your trust in me. Go to the source. Yeah. Right? Go to the source. Now look, I love praying for people. I hope you're not taking that the wrong way. What I'm saying is your faith should not be that you're going to get a word from me up in the up in the altar. Your faith should be calling on God the other six days of the week right. and hoping to get a word directly from him. Right. Now God sometimes does use us. Right? He does use me. He has used me. But that's not supposed to be an everyday occurrence. That's not where your source is supposed to come from. Right? That's not where your source is supposed to come from. Your source is him. She said, look, I don't want to talk to you, lackey. I want to talk to the man of God himself. Because, see, he gave me something I didn't ask for and it's been taken away. That's what she's thinking. I ain't satisfied with the servant. Now, I love it because uh, he... She goes in and she's distraught. She's upset and she grabs a hold of his feet. She's, she's humbling herself saying, I can't fix this on my own. I can't resolve this. I can't do anything. This is broken. You gave me this child. The child has now been taken away. She says, did I not say don't lie to me? Now Gehazi goes to grab her to pull her off of Elisha's feet because she's grabbing on to the man of God, the prophet of God. It's not uh, seemly. Elisha sees that she's hurting and she, she, she says to Gehazi, hold on, wait. God has not shown me what's wrong. We're talking about a man who did some crazy things where God showed him. Oh, see, God doesn't always show the pastor what's wrong. And we'll, uh -oh. we'll stay there for a second. Uh, well, I went up there and he didn't say anything. Well, that's because God don't always tell me everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I, sometimes all I know to do is, is just pray and say, God, have mercy. Right? Yeah. God hadn't shown Elisha what was wrong. So she says, this is what's wrong. My son is dead. I told you not to lie to me. She's desperate. She's broken. Elisha is immediately quickened. He's like, oh goodness, what have I done? So he says to Gehazi, take my staff and go lay it on the child. Gehazi, he says, Gehazi, go, take my staff, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right, if anyone greets you, don't stop to talk, go straight to the child and put my staff upon the child. Now the staff was like Elijah's cloak, remember we talked about Elijah's cloak, it wasn't that it was powerful to who it represented, 
I believe in my heart that Elisha thought that when that staff was laid upon the child, the child would be raised from the dead. Now, remember, Elisha was the one that heard from God, did what God said, did God what God directed, did he did what God told him to do. But this time, this was personal. Oh, right? Uh, he had promised a son to someone who had had a son, and now that son was dead, and he knew, oh, I gotta fix this. Right? This is personal. So, he doesn't stop. He knows his, his servant can make it to the son faster than he can. His quick fix is take my staff and put it upon the child. Now, some commentators say that he believed that they believed Elisha was still going to go. But what we read here is the woman says, I ain't going without you. She says to, to Elisha, you go ahead and go, Gehazi, but I ain't going nowhere without him. See, Elisha was like, go, you, the woman, go, Gehazi, go, don't stop, don't slow down, don't greet nobody, put the staff on the child, and with the implication being, the child is going to be okay. Well, she ain't going to just take the staff at his word for it. She says, I'm not leaving without you. So Elisha relents and he goes, and it's a good thing that she held on, because Gehazi lays the staff on the child, and nothing happens. See, even Elisha, the man of God, the prophet of God, who heard directly from God, sometimes got ahead of God. Mm-hmm. This is pure evidence that he did not seek God before giving the staff to the Gehazi and to go fix the problem. Elisha did what you and I do. It was personal. He wanted it fixed. He wanted to help this lady. And so he did the first thing that came to his mind. I'll fix it. Take my staff. You're faster than I am, Gehazi. Get the staff there. Lay it on her. Lay it on him and he'll be healed. He'll be raised from the dead. He'll be resurrected. Even Elisha had to ask God for direction. Jesus Christ asked his father for direction. Jesus Christ said, I don't do anything the father doesn't tell me to do first. So why in the world do you and I think that we can do stuff without asking God first? God wants to be involved in every decision in your life. He wants you to ask him, should I switch jobs? Uh, He wants you to ask. He don't want you to do it because you want to do it. He wants you to pray about it now. But many times we don't ask and we get the job. And then we're mad at God because the job stinks. <laughs> we get mad because the supervisor is terrible. We get mad because the co-workers are bad. We never ask God for his opinion. We never ask. We just walk into it and things with the hell in the handbasket and we yell at God. Man. <laughs> right? Man. We make major life choices because we're in pain, because it's personal. Wow. And we don't ask God because we want a quick fix and He lets us go through with it and then we get mad at God when He doesn't work it out. Wow. Every decision you make, wow. every decision I make. We need to ask God first. Now, I'm not up here some super holy person. I've on more than one occasion made a decision in haste and out of it being a personal need to get fixed right now without asking God. I've done it, I'm sure, recently. <laughs> right? Oh, Kelly, thanks, Kelly. I appreciate that. Don't go ask you what it's about. It's personal. But, okay, it's personal. But you know what I'm saying, right? Ask first. 
before acting. Amen. Now here's the great thing about God. Is that we may suffer for a moment. See, as Elisha is dwelling with the woman, guess what happened? Gehazi meets them on his way back. He says, it didn't work, man. <laughs> He's still dead. So now the prophet of God, who has been used by God in a mighty way, is being embarrassed by the, in front of the person next to him. Now I want you to imagine this. He gave her a child she did not ask for, right? He said, God, give her a child that she did not ask for. That child dies. Now she has come to him saying, you got to fix this because I told you not to lie to me. She's broken. It's personal to him. He wants to fix it. So he doesn't pray. He tries to fix it without God. He fixes it the way he, first thing that came to his mind. That doesn't work. Gehazi comes back and says it doesn't work. He's embarrassed. He's probably second-guessing himself. What have I done? Not just that the baby, the, the child wasn't resurrected, but he even promised it in the first place. Right? The man of God, Elisha, you know, guys, Elisha, is now in a position where he doesn't know what to do. But here's what's awesome about God. Is when... Elisha goes into the house. He's still got a chance to call upon God if he'll stop and call. He goes up to the room. He lays across the child. Don't ask me why he does it that way. We know Elijah did something very similar with someone else. But I'm not sure why he laid on top of the child, but he did. And the child became warm, but he was not resurrected. Strike two. Right? Elisha's not used to not getting his prayers answered or things not working out for him when he says it's going to happen a certain way. When he says it, it happens. As long as he's speaking what God gave him to speak, right? I mean, he ain't used to things not happening when he says they're going to happen. So he had a choice to make. He could be in the room and feel sorry for himself, but he doesn't. He comes downstairs and he walks. And I believe he was praying while he's walking. Now, God, I, I know that I, uh, you know, you gave them this child and I, I, I prophesied this child. This child has been taken from her. Please give her back. Give him back, right? Give it to her back. Give the child back. He's praying. He's walking and he's praying. We have to persevere. When God doesn't answer the first time, Pray a second time. Amen. When he doesn't answer the second time, pray a third time. Right, amen. And a fourth time. Mm -hmm. And a fifth time. And a sixth time. When it seems like he's silent, you don't stay silent. Amen. Right? I shouldn't stay silent when it seems like he's silent. Just keep on saying. Talking. Persevere. Persevere. And here's the thing. Even though this mess was made because Elisha made a mess. He tried to fix it in his own human reasoning and understanding, maybe something that had worked before. He did not give up, and he still called upon God, and when he persevered, God answered his prayer. He went back up the second time, he laid upon the child, the child sneezed seven times, and rose up. He had to persevere being shot down before. Not just once, but twice. 
He made the mess. God was still willing to get him out of the mess if he would persevere and call upon him. Even when you and I put ourselves in bad situations through assuming events are going to happen a certain way or assuming stuff is going to happen a certain way, assuming stuff is going to work out or trying to fix it the way that we've always fixed it, even when we put ourselves in those situations, we can still call upon God and God is faithful and will have mercy on us if we will persevere and call upon him. Now, it doesn't mean it will not be uncomfortable. Elisha was uncomfortable for a few moments. From the time Gehazi came and said it didn't work until he went up to the room the first time and came back down, he was uncomfortable. He had a woman who was distraught, a mother who was upset, crying, saying, you lied to me. Come on. He was not comfortable. And I know he had doubts. He had to have had doubts. God, what's going on? Please fix this. So, the thing for you and I to recognize is, one, pray before you make a decision. Two, if you've already made the decision, you've made a mess out of things, be prepared that you're going to be uncomfortable for a while. Next, Pray, pray, pray. Submit yourself. Accept that it's going to be uncomfortable. Seek God and do what He tells you to do, no matter how unorthodox it seems. Remember this. What you want and what God wants may not line up all the time. Most of the time, it's because He's got something bigger and better for you. Right? Amen. So if you're in a mess that you created because you did not seek God first because of what you wanted instead of what God wanted, know that God will hear you and he will answer you, but he's still going to answer the way that he intended to answer to begin with, not what you want and what I want. So you can't get the answer until you're ready to receive the answer he has. Right? If I'm not willing to receive it and act upon it, why send it? Why open a door that I'm not going to go through? Why give a message I'm not going to listen to? Why answer if I'm just going to do my own thing anyway? You've all had people in your life come and ask you for advice, and what they really want is for you to tell them their plan is great. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's amazing. That's a great plan. Why don't you do that? Oh, that's a great idea. They don't want to hear you say, I don't think that's going to work. Or maybe you should try or think about it. They just want to get patted on the back and told, great job, good idea, go for it. Right? We do that with God. We come before God. It's not really a request. It's more of uh, an information briefing. I'm going to give God a briefing on what's going on in my life and what's happening tomorrow. I'm not asking Him for guidance. I'm not asking Him for help. I'm not asking really for Him to say anything. I'm going to phrase my request in the form of a briefing. And then wonder why God doesn't answer back. Because he knows we don't want to hear what he has to say. We don't want to do what he wants us to do. What he has for us to do. And when you and I don't do it, and when you and I don't want to listen, then what can God do? Except say, I told you so. 
Amen. Told you so. I could have saved you a lot of pain if you did it my way to begin with. How much pain could we all have been saved in our lives up to this point if we would have simply done it the way God asked it or said to do it to begin with? Or if we would have simply stopped to pray before making a decision? Amen. How different would things be? How much pain would we have missed? Suffering, doubt, discouragement. See, when the Bible says all things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. For those who love God are called according to his purpose. Means that you are walking with God. See, that's, that's the foundation to that promise. It means that you're walking with God and obeying God, seeking God, following after God. If you're doing that, I can trust that the bad things are going to become good things. I can trust that the bad stuff is going to work itself out, right? I can claim that promise. Amen. But if I'm not walking with God, if I'm not talking to God, if I'm not following after God, I cannot claim that promise. You cannot get mad at God when you claim a promise that is not on the foundation that God made. That's good. Right? I like to get mad at God and claim a promise. God, you promised it'd work out. Meanwhile, I've not been walking with him. Amen. I haven't been seeking him. I haven't been following him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added to you. To me. Can I claim a promise if I am not uh, obedient to the foundation that the promise is written upon? Amen. There's that foundational truth. And if I'm walking according to that truth, I can claim the promise. But if I'm not, I cannot. But if I am, I can have peace and trials knowing that what God promised, He cannot lie. He is a God of His Word. So therefore, it will work out. But if I'm not, what can I do? The only thing you can do is do a course correction. And say, God, I'm sorry. Amen. God, I made a mess out of things. God, I don't know what I'm going to do next. God, I have no idea. But here's what I am willing to do. I'm going to fast. I'm going to break up my routine. I'm going to give up this. I'm going to give up that. I'm going to seek you above all things. Get back on track. And then trust and claim the promise that all things work out. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable for a little while. But God will never forsake those who call upon him. Amen. I've had consequences in my life that I've had to face times of being uncomfortable, worry, fear, and doubt that I created. And even though I had to many times suffer uh, that feeling and that consequences, the consequences were never as bad as they could have been because I turned to God. Well, there's still consequences. Don't get me wrong. But we'll call upon him. He will have mercy upon us as many times fixes the mess that we made. Amen. May not fix it the way we want him to fix it. May not do it the way we want him to do it. But he will fix it. If we will truly seek, truly ask, and really want the answer he has. 
Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.